Welcome to the Getting Battle Ready Podcast, where we take you from zero to mid-table hero. I'm Chaos Jake, and these are my friends and co-hosts. Guard Jake. Death Guard John. Join us as we get you and your army battle ready. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the second full episode of the Getting Battle Ready Podcast. Unfortunately, our good dear friend, Death Guard John, was out wrestling alligators at the Waffle House, so he's a little uh, tied up and... Won't be able to join us. That's what happens when you don't tip well. That's it. Listen, the alligators on you at Waffle House. If you guys didn't know that, they, they don't mess around at the Waffle House. But yeah, so we have an awesome episode for you guys today. Uh, one of our contestants here had a wonderful time going to the one, the only LVO. Yeah, it was uh, it was a really good time, and I'm looking forward to sharing all the goodies, the you know the good, the bad, and the ugly of of playing at LVO and, um, you know, we'll go over my list and some of the competition that I've faced and things that you'll see if you've ever been curious about going to LVO yourself. It's definitely been an experience. Yeah, it's for all those that have always kind of been curious about it, wanted to go, um, we're going to go over that, whether or not it's worth it. And, you know, hopefully if everything goes well, maybe, just maybe, we all may go next year. Yeah, man, I would really like that. I think it'd be a lot of fun. And like I said, we'll get into it um, here towards the uh, latter half of our show. But um, to get things started, as we always do, you had sent uh, John and I some pictures of some stuff that you've been working on in our group chat. So why don't you tell everyone what you've been working on this week? Yeah, no. So what I've been hobbying on this week, um, as everybody knows, I'm, I play Death or not Death Guard. I play. No, you don't play Death Guard. I don't. They're, they're terrible. Don't, don't play them. I'm playing Imperial Guard. Uh, that's my go-to army. And we are getting ready for a little local tournament here. And one of the things that I've been kind of procrastinating on because I haven't really, it's a pride issue that I don't feel that I'm good enough to paint them yet, but I finally decided, screw it, I need to get it done. Uh, and I started painting my Gaunt's Ghosts. Yeah, man, they looked incredible. Which one was the one that you sent us? I, you know me, I'm not great with names. Nah, you're good, man. Uh, so I just finished up Colm Corbeck who is the, in the book series, he's the colonel mm-hmm. uh, when the Tanith was first formed after the destruction of the Tanith homeworld. Uh, he was promoted. And then as you read the 17 books, 18 books that are in there, you fall in love with them. I'm not going to spoil what happens to him. It's, it's heartbreaking. It sucks. But, <laughs> you know, read and figure it out. It's, he's in 12 books, so go from there. All right. Um, <laughs> yeah. So... They, they looked great, though. The camo you did was great, and um, the skin tone looked really good, too. Oh, yeah, that skin tone. Uh, it I, came out well. Yeah, so the Tanith, the way that they're described, they're basically Scotsmen, um, but they're very pale. So I started with a Cadian flesh tone instead of going with, like, Bugbear or um, a different type, a darker skin tone, and went up from there. I used Gilliman flesh as a wash instead of using the... Uh, Reichland flesh shade or something like that. So I used that to get inside for the detail work and then started uh, going up from there all the way up to Flayed One Flesh. And the musculature came out fantastic. Like it, I was thoroughly happy on how he came out. Yeah, I mean, they looked great. I uh, um, I was super happy. And then you worked on Ursula, right? That was the other yes, one Yes, the other thing that I finally broke down and did uh, was Painter Ursula Creed. It's about time you were ah, playing dude, that uh, thing primed for like two months. Uh, dude, it was longer than that. <laughs> I, I played her Grey Shame for, <laughs> Yeah, I played her Grey Shame since the open, and I 
they, yeah, and I had her primed, and then I just finally painted her because I got tired of looking at her gray shameness. I get it, yeah. Um, but she turned out great. Yep. Have, um, uh, have you been hobbying on anything? So I was panic painting uh, for a couple <laughs> weeks trying to get things ready for LVO. So a little bit before we get too much in the story, I was not originally planning to go to LVO, and uh, I just had an opportunity to fall in my lap to be able to go. And I needed to finish up a couple of things, so I was all purple and silver Yeah, he, for it. He basically won the lottery ongoing, hence the contestants. Yes. <laughs> and um, so I finished up, excuse me, um, I finished up my last obliterator. And then um, I converted two Chaos Lords because of the... Um, conversion policy. I missed the cutoff date for conversions because of the last minute signup. Mm-hmm. Um, so I bought some new models and built them and converted them to make them look as close as I possibly could to Chaos Lords. It was it was actually pretty pretty impressive. He took a Age of Sigmar Chaos Lord, which is technically a Chaos Lord. It, it, it's technically a GW Chaos Lord. That's it. <laughs> hey, listen, and that's all that mattered. Um, so and, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh no, you're good. And uh, they came out that you couldn't have told. Yeah, they, I was I was really happy with how they turned out. Um, so I got those done, and then I started working on my uh, my converted cultists. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not want to take my Black Legion cultists with me, so I got to I got to building and I got to priming and I got them battle ready. That's <laughs> and that's all we need. Um, they are not finished yet, but. You know, the purple was on it. The highlights were on it. They all have white hair. Uh, the guns were done. The bases are finished. It's now just picking out all of the small details to really make them look the way I want. Mm-hmm. Um, but if anyone is um, knowledgeable in the rest of GW games, um, I chose the Escher gang to turn into cultists from Necromunda because they give off um, like sisters vibes yeah. and i thought it would be really cool to make them look like fallen sisters yeah give and that heavy slanesh feel to them as well since right yeah they've got whips and mm. stilettos and spiky bits everything slanesh loves right yeah everything you, you could ask for so i did those and i think that that's all i really hobbied getting ready for lvo and then last night i sent you guys some pictures i started building my fulgrim from the Horus Heresy. It's not yeah. the big guy, not the Ascended, but no, no, no. We, uh, the Primarch. Yeah, we only deal with the the proper. Right until I get my plastic one, you won't yeah. you won't hear me say anything. That's it. it they'll come one day. It will, hopefully, maybe. maybe. But I'm very excited. I'm going to be using him as my uh, my Abaddon Countess for my Emperor's children. It's going to look sweet, and um, it's a big model. Yeah, now nah, when I I've got a Gilliman Horus Heresy. And it's it's bigger than you think. Yeah, that's especially with that, a full base. Yeah, that full base is something. The only thing I was a little bummed about when I was building it, um, this is a minor inconvenience. If you want dealing to dealing with use, resin, <laughs> whatever, uh, Forge World resin is what it is. Yeah, I wanted the model. I'm not going to complain. That's that's it. <laughs> um, but if you want to use the scenic base for them, you have to forego the forty miller. Miller, the yeah. 40 millimeter base um, to use if you want to use them like just as a chaos lord. So they're, they're allowed, they're meant to be magnetized. 
So that way you can magnet unmagnetize them and magnetize them because it fits in. Right, yeah, it fit in, but the um the piece of the scenic base, mm-hmm. the way that it's made, you could you can't hook it out. Oh yeah, no, that and that's the thing is that you gotta Yeah, I would have to have like drilled into the resin mm-hmm. and and then you um, gotta put your magnets and then you gotta go through and cut the I'm, piece. Yeah. I'm not cutting into questionable resin. Yeah. I'll just keep my sixty millimeter base. I mean I'm not going to use the fulcrum model as a chaos lord anyways. Yeah, no, that's true. And the biggest thing is, is, I mean, we play 40K. We don't really delve into horse heresy. And even right. if you did, it's going to be a friendly game to where you're like, hey, I know this is supposed to be on this base. Do you care? Mm-hmm. Nine times out of ten, the people in our play group are going to be like, nah, dude, rock and roll. Yeah, they're they're fine with it. I think that's, that's pretty much everything that I have, I've been hobbying on recently. Because um, I did take, like I said, I did take a little bit of a break before I had to like, mass paint for LVO. Yeah. Um, but it's nice to be getting back into it and hopefully today the humidity will stay down so I can prime everything up. It is humidity out. I I do have um like an airbrush that I can airbrush prime with, but you and you guys it's and loud money. and um the dog's not a fan. <laughs> yeah, no. The wife's not a fan. Like it's just it's just loud and I don't know how John uses it and not gets away with it. I think he, well, I think his thing is he has like one of those smaller, like not, it's not silent, but it's like, it's very small compared to like a big three gallon. Yeah, no, that is true. His is pretty small and he's, and he's tucked away in that back bedroom too. So not everybody can hear it, but it is what it is. It is what it is. But, um, yeah, that, that's pretty much what we've been hobbying on. So we're going to go into a new segment now though. Yeah, this is a, a Jake on Jake friendly competition uh, that we're coming up with. We're going to save the hot takes for when all three of us is here. So this is just going to be for me and him as a way to uh, test our 40K knowledge. Yes. And so uh, the name of this new segment is called What's That Data Sheet? Um, If you would like to play along, absolutely do. It would be a good time. Basically, each of us um, are going to pick a data sheet. Um, So this week I am picking a data sheet for Jake. And what he'll try to do is he can ask me five questions about the data sheet and um, obviously excluding some of the obvious, like what's the name of the data sheet, things like that. It'll be more broad questions. And then after his five questions, he'll get three tries to guess what the data sheet is and see if he gets it right. And if he does, we'll be keeping a tally. And then at the end of the year, um, whoever has the most, I don't know, we'll do something fun yeah. as a, as a, an award. Somebody have to pay somebody a model or something. Yeah. Something like that. So this week, I'm doing one for Jake, and then the next time, Jake will do one for me. All right, so let's do... Hmm. Coming up with a, a good one? Yeah, I want to I wanna do something. You got to be careful choosing some of them, though, because so, they'll just give it away. Oh, dude, I'm, I'm dumb as hell, so it should be pretty easy. So I'll punk me on it. <laughs> All right, so we'll do this one. This one feels good. My brother and I were testing it. Um, at LVO for the podcast, and it worked really well. So I'm going to use this one because I really like this one. All right, all right. All right, so the first obvious question, Imperium, Chaos, or Xenos? This is a Xenos model. Oh, shit, I don't know Xenos. <laughs> um, so next question, Necron, Tyranid, Tau, or Orc? Um. So when we when we tested it, 
this is not a question you can use. <laughs> oh. You have to, yeah. Because all right, this, all right. this narrows it too much. You have to use. I got to use my six senses. Okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. So, so then you we'll. you saw four questions. Okay. So, all right. So we'll ignore that question. Okay. Is it bipedal or quadrupedal? This is a bipedal model. All right. So that, that only rules out. 90 it only rules out gigantic tyranids <laughs> yeah pretty much <laughs> okay um let me think so that's two questions and if you have questions about what questions you can ask until we really get it going eh, it's okay it's fine uh, just let me know and i'll gladly okay. explain is it a character battle line or other um it is a character okay is it yep okay is it a epic hero it is an epic hero okay what is the name of a weapon that it uses all right this is for all the marbles its name is fidelity son of a bitch you told me her (laughs) name and i cannot remember it as a tile model is it's it's Shay, I can see her face and it's driving me crazy. <laughs> um, Shonley, Sh- Sh- Chunley? <laughs> no, you're you're close. You're I know, man. Guesses. I can. I. It is on the tip of my tongue. It is because um, it's not far. So this is a towel model. It's a primarily a melee towel model, if I recall. Mm-hmm. Um, she also. Um, fidelity is a sword that she uses and it is right there. And I can picture that damn model. Um, Shanti. One more guess. Uh, You're so close, man. I, I, share. Share. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to give it to you. Uh-huh. Uh, but its name is on she on she son of a bitch. I knew, okay. I knew that, uh, if you asked the melee weapon, you'd probably get it. But, uh, yeah. So on she quick little recap about on she, um, it is an epic hero for Tau, mm-hmm. and the things that I found interesting about it is its abilities, which you didn't ask for a data sheet ability, which was crazy to me, but it has two. Um, it has Inspirational Defiance, which is add one to the OC of models in the unit that it's leading, and then it has Martial Warrior, and it's each time this model is selected to fight, select one of the following abilities to be active while resolving those attacks. It allows you to either have Precision Devastating Wounds um, or... Uh, sustained hits two while in combat with fidelity. Ooh, nice. So, um, yeah, man. So we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with the start of our LVO segment. Yep. It's going to be all about Jake's list, uh, what he liked, what he didn't like, and what things worked and what didn't. So we'll see you when we come back. Welcome back. All righty. So in this segment, we're going to be going over uh, Chaos Jake's list. Uh, we're going to be talking about the mainstream meta chaos list for your uh, your faction and then some of the things that you chose and what you thought was better what was worse how essentially how the list performed and then once we're done with this the segment after this we're going to be going over all your matches and what you liked about the match what you didn't like and more importantly whether you won or lost and then we'll talk about your favorite match which you thought was the best. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
So I guess um, to kick things off, so the the if I remember correctly, like looking at lists, the top placing Chaos Space Marine list was running um, three Chaos Lords, three Dark Communes, um, I think a 10-man of Chosen and two five-mans of Chosen, and then three big blocks of Accursed Cultists, and then two Forge Fiends and a unit of Nurglings. That was the list that performed well, and rightfully so. It's just very powerful in-your-face list. Mm-hmm. There might have been some rhinos. I don't remember. If, I'm I'm pretty sure he had two, one or two rhinos. Yeah, there were a few rhinos on some of the lists I saw. I hear that Space Marines didn't do too good because of the player placed terrain. Um, yeah, there was. Player Did you placed, suffer because of that? Yeah, um, player place was hard, but I think it was it was because of a lack of knowledge because it adds another layer to the game. Mm-hmm. So when you're playing against people that understand how player placed works, um, they get. I don't want to say an upper hand, but just my lack of knowledge. A couple of my matches, I had an upfield yeah. battle. Um, but I wouldn't say that that really, like, deterred me from any of the games. I still had mm-hmm. a really great time. Um, I would like to see them move to Leviathan maybe next year. That's I've, I've heard that from a lot of different sources that I've been listening to and stuff. But the big thing is, is out out west out there because we're as you come to realize we're kind of based in florida here but out west player plays terrain like that's how you play while here on the east side we really like utc right yeah and um they announced it at um lvo that um gw will be taking over the itc oh really yes so there is potential maybe to see a more formatted That'd be nice. Um, terrain, whether it be, you know, right now we're living in Leviathan, but they could change it and it could change how the boards work. But if we have one source putting out a constant board, I think that that is, would be it, better. It, it heightens. Not. How am I trying to say this? It focuses more on gameplay instead of I don't want to say gotcha moments because it's not gotcha, but you might be a good player but become a great player because you know how to place your terrain compared to somebody that practices on the same terrain, knows that terrain in or out, knows how to play around it. And it allows you that, that ability to play to the peak of your ability. While if you played in player place, you're not necessarily able to really perform at your best. Right. And the other, the other big thing with player place, um, it was also difficult, you know, certain models struggle to move through certain gaps that you can make. So um, there's, there were just little things. And like I said, it was like a lack of knowledge of how it works. So that's like my one hope is maybe we go to some more standardized terrain yeah. because the other frustrating parts were that not every board had the same kind of terrain for the player placed. So some boards were more advantageous with their ruins than others. So like more models could hide in a ruin where some maps it was just big chunky cubes that you couldn't walk through or interact with. It was basically just a big piece of blocking terrain, line of sight blocking. So that's my only real like hope for that um, is that maybe we'll move to more standardized board tables and things like that. Mm -hmm. But if not, you know, we have a year to practice. That's it. And And that's all you can do. One of those things that we can start working towards it. And if we manage to go next year, then we'll be that much better and prepared for it. Yeah, Absolutely. So let's talk about your list. So we we heard the meta list. So what do you not like about the meta list or what do you think that it 
suffers from compared to what you put in your list that you think overcomes some of the obstacles at the main metal list? Um, yeah. So the big thing that is different from my list from the, the top performing list is that I don't run any accursed cultists or dark mm-hmm. communes. Um, one of the main reasons I didn't own any accursed cultists or dark communes. I mean, um, money is a, uh, a very much a contributing factor. They also, it was one of those data sheets when I looked at them initially that I didn't think that they were that good. Gotcha. But as I started to see how they performed and like I've said many times on here, um, and we'll have to get him on sometime. My brother also plays very competitively. Yes. And him and I talked openly about it, the LVO about how powerful the accursed cultists were. And so now I'm starting to realize why so many people are running them. They're hard to kill. They're very strong in combat and they keep reviving themselves. Could you have run the cultists that you made as proxies for that if you would have gotten it submitted in time? Um, no, probably not because there's the cursed cultists and then there's the cultist mob. Gotcha. So mine are the cultist mob. The accursed cultists are these like mutated kind of demonic looking cultists. And mm-hmm. then they have the bigger bases that are, I believe, 40s. And those are the torments. Gotcha. And they're like, you know, they have like giant wings and demonic heads and stuff coming out of them. Mm-hmm. So they're more, I see a lot of people that do not play CSM. They use those torments as, um, sorry, they use them as beasts. Gotcha. And so um, that's kind of like where I've seen some of them. But that was the big, the big thing that was different from my list from them was mm-hmm. no dark communes and stuff like that. That's um, fair. But if we want to go ahead and get into the list, I'll start with. Yeah, let's talk about your list. Yeah, so I'll start with the characters that I ran. I ran three characters in my list. I ran a Chaos Lord um, on foot. That was the Mark of Corn. That thing. That um, thing's, lack of a better term, that model fucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, it does use the Talisman of Burning Blood Enhancement. And so I won't like super deep dive into everything, but basically yeah, what you that can, does. Obviously, if you... it. Chaos, the chaos list, you can go on to the Warhammer app and you can look it up and you can see what all this stuff does. It's not locked behind the paywall yet because their right, codex hasn't come out. So if you are learning that and you're like, what exactly is that? By all means, hop on the Warhammer app, pull up the uh, uh, Chaos Space Marine CSM, and then you'll be able to read what everything does. Yeah, so briefly, like I'll go over. I only run two enhancements, so I'll say what they do. The Talisman of Burning Blood, basically when that unit dark packs... I get to add D3 to the strength and attack characteristic of the attack um, for the Chaos Lord. Mm. Um, and he just is uh, just a big hammer. Um, yeah. Very scary in combat. And Especially then, being Mark of Corn. Right. The Mark of Corn five up lethal hits. Um, then the next one I ran was the Chaos Lord that was Chaos Undivided. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not give him an enhancement. He's just there to help me do actions and he triggers for free CP with his chosen unit. Yep. Um, re- free rerolls of a hit and wound. Yeah. Especially having the plasma pistol in his hand. So an engagement, if you're engaged into a unit, so you get into combat and you get melee and you start beating face. Let's say you pull deploy teleport homers and you have in the middle center of the map. He's got a pistol. Mm-hmm. You can shoot in, in, uh, in combat with a pistol. So it allows you to be able to deploy and still engage in combat. Right. And then my last one, this was, one of the tech pieces that I, well, I guess I would consider it a tech piece. There's mm-hmm. not a lot of people running this. I ran um, a demon prince with wings. That was the mark of Slanesh mm-hmm. with the intoxicating elixir. That thing is so strong. So, it's so strong. 
Um, this piece is really just meant to run around the board and support things. Um, I'll go over briefly like what it does. So it gets five up sustained hits in combat from the Mark of Slanesh. Whenever it charges, it rolls a D6 equal to the amount of wounds it has remaining. And for every four up, you take a mortal wound to a maximum of six mortal wounds. Um, then the intoxicating elixir, it gives it a five up feel no pain. And after every time I fight you, you must take a battle shock test. And then the winged part of the demon prince, if I fly over a unit, um, they have to take a battle shock test. And being Mark of Slanesh, I made it movement 14. Yeah, so basically it can skirt around the board, battle shocking anything it can. I mean, just imagine, so you roll up on it, on an objective in the center of the board. You uh, hop on the objective, you tank shock, essentially. You kill off half the units, and then you force an immediate battle shock. Guess what? They just lost that objective. Yep, there's there's a lot of play in it. Um, one of the big things that I tried to do, because we were in player placed, is if I could get an objective marker underneath a piece of terrain, I would just fly the demon prince over and hold it because not a lot of stuff is going to just pick the demon prince up. Mm -hmm. Um, And if I'm hiding behind the terrain feature, that means they have to come around to get to me. Yeah. And it's basically just like figure it out. Yeah. What you do is pretty tough. So um, I ran, um, those are my three characters. Okay. Um, I only had one battle line unit, um, just a 10 man unit occultist with the mark of Nurgle. What was Um, their job? Their, their job. So they have sticky objective is their ability. Oh, nice. Um, so what I do is start the game with them on the home objective. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's sticky so that they can start moving immediately. Um, they're almost always advancing, trying to sticky more objectives. And um, Mark of Chaos is Nurgle, and that is for the Nurgle strat that says if you're outside of 12 inches, you cannot target them with an, with a, an attack for the turn. So yeah. it's it's actually really, really gross. I've When we've done our practice games and everything like that, We've had where I would target him with my indirect, and he goes, "That's cool, Mark and Nurgle," and I'll be like, mm, "Yeah, that feels feels real good." And so that that's just their whole job is to run around, sit on objectives, make them sticky, and keep pushing elsewhere, and then um, just going from there. Did uh, do you have anybody try to target them with indirect and able to Nurgle strat them? Um, yes, in my I played against um, Eldari one game, gotcha. and I was able to Nurgle strat them to help me. How'd that feel? Uh, triple night spinner wasn't great, but we'll get into that later. Yeah. <laughs> um, my transports are in two rhinos, both also Mark of Nurgle for the same reason as the cultists. Um, mm-hmm. it just really brings up the survivability of the chosen that were embarked in there. The bulk of my army were in the other data sheets. Yeah. I ran a, so this is the meat and potatoes of the army. <laughs> yes. Um, I ran a five man unit of chosen Mark, um, und- uh, chaos undivided. Mm-hmm. Um, what uh, does the Mark of undivided do? So what the mark does is it lets you reroll ones to hit. Okay. Um, and then on top of that, you still get your sustained or lethal hits for dark pacting. Mm-hmm. You just get them on a six instead of getting the bonus of the five up for being specified into a mark. So what happens if uh, I roll a six and you get the sustained? Does Like, how does that work being undivided? So um, how it works, so like if I was in combat and I chose lethal hits, mm-hmm. um, instead of like my Mark of Corn unit that gets lethal hits on five ups, I get them on sixes. But in addition, I also get to reroll all ones to hit. So it just increases the ability. So just trying to fish yeah, the, for them sixes as the, best you yeah, can. Yeah, the trade-off is that you get to fish for the sixes versus getting it on fives and sixes. Gotcha. But the other big thing that makes this unit so good is that for one CP or with the Chaos Lord, it's zero CP. 
you can give that unit full rerolls to hit and wound. Gotcha. Not just not hits of one or wounds of one. It's both full out for one CP. That seems oh. good. It's very good. And it's also loaded up with all of the extra weapons because they're free this edition. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we've got the power fist. We've yeah, got those, a pair of accursed weapons. Those of you that played in ninth know all about having to pay for each one of those damn weapons. Um, the chaos icon gives them reroll on their leadership check for dark packs. Oh, that's nice. So is that a, a specific tech or is that pretty much the standard for it? Um, anybody that can take the chaos icon is going to take it because gotcha. because you're always going to want to re-roll in case you fail. No, that's fair. Um, my next unit was a 10-man unit of Chosen. Um, these were Mark of Corn. This is that Ob- thick brick. Yes, obviously to correspond with the Chaos Sword Mark of Corn. Mm-hmm. This gives them five up lethal hits in combat. Also kitted out with all the stuff, two power fists, two sets of accursed weapons, um, some plasma pistols. And then the big thing here is uh, four combi weapons. Mm-hmm. Combi weapons in the army are hit on fours, but anti-inventory four of devastating wounds with rapid fire one. Wow. So, you know, you you jump out of your, jump out of the rhino, mm-hmm. try to pop some devastating wounds on the way in, and then you try to finish up what's left with a big charge. Yeah. Um, did you uh, did you get to use that anti-infantry a lot in your matches? Did they seem to, well, I guess I should ask is, did the, did the combi weapons seem to really hold their own in that list, or did you wish that you took something else? Um. No, they did their job. I'm I'm all about the combi weapons, so they don't hit on threes like the bolt gun does, mm-hmm. but the anti-inventory devastating wounds is just so much better in the long run. Oh, yeah. Um, easily was taking care of um, small units, like small like MSU units or They shoot through guard, I know that much. Um, the other big thing, too, is that I don't do it too often, but you could dark packed um, mm-hmm. during the shooting phase with them, so then you're getting sustained hits on sixes because they're mark of corn so you're going to get sustained hits on sixes on those devastating on top oh wow so like there's potential to really do some big damage with a couple of sixes in the way oh for sure um but yeah their their whole bit both units have chosen is to go up try to hold the mid board and then make a push into the things that are i guess that have the potential to take care of your units gotcha um were they what? Um, would you feel that the the ten man brick of corn was the MVP of your list? Um, we know who the real MVP is, but we'll get with that later. Yeah, yes, and no. So, on matches that I won, um, they tend to really show up big for me. Mm-hmm. And matches that I couldn't hold on to, typically that was because they couldn't get involved in the way that they needed to before they were gone. Gotcha. Um, did so, the, did the rhinos really make them as survivable as you hope or was, were you, did you find it lacking? Um, no, no, no. They definitely do their job. Okay. Um, the only time that they ever feel bad is that sometimes you're just using the rhino to get the extra three inches on mm-hmm. that movement on the top or bottom of one. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're holding them in there till two, um, it's a really good way to keep them, you know, Keep them all safe, them and all sound safe until, until it's ready to until they're ready to run. Gotcha. Um, the next part of my list, and everyone's running them. Um, I ran two Forge Fiends, one Mark of mm-hmm. Nurgle, one Chaos Undivided. Um, the Mark of Nurgle, also, I don't think I mentioned this earlier. When you do your Dark Pact, you get sustained hits on a five up, so it just makes that Forge Fiend so much more scary. Oh yeah, three D three plus blast from each weapon, so. I never ran into anything more than 10 mm-hmm. in my matchups. 
but 3d3 plus 6 shots, strength 10, AP3, 3 damage is just good. Yeah, especially um, against your big, whether it be Space Marine, Terminator Bricks, anything running more than that. It's just every failed save, it's 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 save or die. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so it's just very powerful. They do not get a chaos icon, so, you know, they just... They just they they get just what you get. Get what you get. Um, so that was um, okay. Um, it does its job. It's definitely more for softening units mm-hmm. than it is to just completely delete units, if that makes sense. Now, the one thing that I did not... No, that makes perfect sense. But I, I noticed in a lot of our games, I believe you had one of the Forge Fiends uh, as Mark of Slanesh. Did you change that, or am I thinking of something else? Um, I think you're thinking of something else, because Slanesh gives five up sustained hits in combat. Ah, uh, gotcha. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right, you're um, right. I have toyed around with Slanesh Possessed. That was it. So that's probably what it was, but I just didn't play them in this game. Um, my next Forge Fiend was Undivided, and this is the one that gets real scary. This is what a lot of people are scared of. Again, one CP, full rerolls to hit and wound on it. Um, and then if you want, you can opt in to Hazardous and Devastating Wounds. And this actually was relevant in one of my um, matchups, and we'll talk about it later. Yep. Um, it's a very good... That is just a data sheet ability. You don't even have to spend a CP to get the devastating really? and hazardous. Um, but the full rerolls to let you fish for the devastating is pretty big. Gotcha. Um, next, I had two units of obliterators. These were I was I'm always been a huge fan of obliterators. Anybody that I've played against, you can ask. I run them all the time. Oh yeah, they and it. Let me tell you from experience, they have deep strike. It sucks. When they get in your backfield, um, they're they're very powerful. Um, but like I said, like this, I was surprised not a lot of people were running them. I don't know if it's because they were using the communes and the accursed cultists to just push up the board as fast as they could. Is the how many more points is the occulted cult the occulted cultists accursed cultists whatever yeah uh, compared to the cultist mob? Um, they're significantly more expensive, but you also get way more models. Oh, okay. Um, so the big thing, like, with Accursed Cultists is they get a once-per-turn or once-per-battle advance and charge. Gotcha. Um, and then they also get, like, a mark, and mm-hmm. then the Dark Commune helps them. I think they once-per-battle can give them plus one to hit, plus one to wound. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, they can also, they get a five-up feel-no-pain. I think it's, no, no, no. They get a five-up invul save and a six-up feel-no-pain. Gotcha. So they're and just they're, way more survivable. Yes. So, so they're, very, they're fast and survivable, and it makes the torments. Uh-huh. Um, they're strength five, AP one, two damage in combat. So when they get the plus one to wound, they're wounding most infantry on twos. Gotcha. So it's just a factor of uh, they may have been trying to play them, but just didn't have the points for a set of obliterators. Oh, um, I'm, I'm sure they're using it just to try to... I would imagine that that list is built like in phases. So like you push the accursed cultists up, mm-hmm. they take care of it. The chosen come up and finish what's left. Gotcha. Um, my choice, the reason I chose the obliterators was because I felt like I needed a, a hammer. I, I don't always trust the forge fiends to punch up. Mm-hmm. Um, just being strength 10, you know, there's a lot of tank lists right now. It's, this it's hard. It's very vehicle heavy at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, they're strength 12, which means, like, big stuff like Dorns or, you know, big knights. You're wounding on fours. But I'll take the wounding on fours instead of fives any day. Mm-hmm. And then they also, you know, they have three different shooting profiles, so there's a little play there. 
and they're two up armor save, five up invul save T seven. So they're not bad. No, I mean, they're, they're going to hold their own. I mean, obviously against anti-tank they won't, but still, um, I chose again, one Nurgle, one undivided. Mm -hmm. I played the undivided in the, not so much for the stratagem, but for the reroll of ones to hit. And I don't know if it really made a big difference this weekend. And I've kind of noticed that a lot lately. Mm -hmm. I think that maybe going forward, I would consider playing one of them. um, Mark of Sinch. Okay. Which gives them lethal hits on five ups in the shooting phase. So it eliminates the, especially on the big gunshots. It makes it more reliable, more reliable into Mm -hmm. things that I need them to wound. Gotcha. So maybe something there. Um, I was not super impressed with the undivided obliterators, but we'll have to uh, next, next time you and me play, we'll have to definitely try that out and see how it does. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm looking at a couple different things I want to change. I'm really just waiting for the data slate. Yeah. And we'll have uh, a special podcast on that coming out whenever it drops. It's Thursday today. Hopefully it may drop today. Um, I saw like some, some rumors floating around that the reason it didn't come out today was because of like some translation errors. Gotcha. So, um, I think maybe tomorrow, I think technically one of the last days of the month is is Wednesday. Is it, is it Wednesday? Yeah, the last they day of the month. They could push it if they want it. Mm-hmm. I guess they could drop it February 1st. Gotcha. But, yeah, so, so far, Obliterator's good. So the list as a whole seems to be pretty solid. I know I've played against it a lot. It is a very solid list, very reliable. Um, it punches up pretty well. It punches down fantastic. And uh, essentially, uh, it does everything that you want to. Now, we do have a couple ally units that you brought in. Um, yeah, I'll go over the ones that are more commonly seen, and then we'll go over. This is what a, uh, most of the people at the event considered this the MVP of my <laughs> army. <clears throat> That's and why I said the, the true MVP. I think it was more of an aesthetic thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but so we'll go over the, the easy ones. I ran two three-man units of Nurglings. Obviously, every chaos list. Unless you're Thousand Sons or World Leaders, you're, you're taking, taking at least two units of Nurglings. They're just 35 points, Infiltrator, Deep Strike, they do what you want them to do. They, they, do, they go do your monkeys. actions. Yep, they're just fantastic. So mm-hmm. there's no real discussion about them. They're just good. Yeah. Um, then the next one I took was the Blue Scribes. Um, this one gets, it's like a 50-50. You, gotcha. About, suck. about how, you, how you use them. Um, very good 12-inch movement. Hold, screens your back objective for you. If you get too close to it, it can do mortal wounds. And it showed up big for me in a couple of, um, it, it did one fights, match. <laughs> uh, two matches, actually. So I'm very excited to talk about those. Um, and then, like I said, 12-inch movement. So, like, if it needs, like, if you're in a pinch, you're low on models, it can move into position to do a secondary for you. That's good. That le- Because you sticky that home objective. Mm-hmm. And so if you need it, you can push him somewhere else if you need, um, which did happen, um, which was cool. And then the one that everyone loved that I brought, um, and he was great. He did what he was supposed to do. Um, I played a great unclean one. Ah, oh, so such an awesome model. Um, T12, 20 wounds, four up invul save, six up feel no pain. Um, I had two matches where he just folded like a rubber duck. I, but I it was, mean, he's fleshy. It just, um, those two matches in particular, they just had the answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I mean, if, if they have the answer, there's not much you can yeah, do. Yeah, there's nothing to do, but yeah. he was a great roadblock into those matches. Even after mm-hmm. losing him early, he still 
you know, tanked a lot of stuff for me. Um, and in the matches that I won, he played real well into holding up things or mm-hmm. even just looking at him on the board. People are like, I don't know how to approach this. <laughs> and he, he so just was like, all right, well, I, I guess I'm just dealing with this now. Yeah. And so he was just, he was really great. Um, if I had to pick an MVP on the whole weekend, yep. I would be hard pressed to not pick the blue scribes because of what they did in a couple of games. From what you told me, um, I would say the blue scribes or, or the 10 brick of chosen. They just, yeah. With, with that just thick, thick, uh, Chaos Corn, Lord. Chaos yeah. Lord. He just, uh, I've had that damn thing pick up so many tanks of mine just by himself. And I don't, I don't know if I went over it yet, but I, but I ended up going three and three. Mm-hmm. Um, one Which, of keep keep in mind, everybody, that this LVO is the world's largest. This is where all the competitive teams come to. I mean, you get your, you know, your baby seals that you're going to club, but if it is one of those things to where in the first six matches, you are going to either be playing the world's best, the world's worst, or what we strive for, the terror of the mid-tables. And uh, that's exactly where it ended. I think last time I looked, my final ranking was like 302nd out of 1,100. That's fantastic. So I'm right there in the middle, but I'm, the, I'm on the upper half. And, and that's it. what we strive for. And so but it was a great time. Um, and... I'll go over like my scores and stuff once we get into it, but yeah, we'll go over that. All the scores we're going to go over each individual uh, match. Like I said, we're going to touch it. Some of the matches we may not spend a lot of time on. There's a couple that uh, were just true MVP matches that we definitely, definitely want to spend some time, but all in all, um, if you had the choice to change anything on the list uh, or run the list again, what would you do? Um, only big change I saw was the, the obliterators into Zinch, mm-hmm. potentially. Of the models that you do own, I think your list is fantastic. It, it plays a very different game than the competitive list, but mm-hmm. this is the one thing I do love about 40K is that if you if you build a list, you have a game plan, you understand how it works, you will find success with it. Yeah, and that's, I've said it um, since I've started playing 40K, the one of the things that I love about it is 40K is one of those things that, you don't necessarily have to outplay your opponent, but you just have to outknow your opponent. If you know your list better than they do, you're probably going to find success. And by that, it's just repetition of playing the same list over and over and over. Yeah, and um, I think we're going to take a quick break then, and we'll come back and we will start going over the different games and what I faced, what I expected, and then I think our final segment will just be going over what I saw at LVO and some little tidbits of advice if you're looking to go yourself. Perfect. All right. Uh, we'll see you in a bit. All right, everybody, and welcome back. So this segment, we're going to be going over all the different uh, lists that you played against, all your uh, games that you played, whether or not you won, whether or not you lost, and uh, just your overall take of the army that you played against and the opponent in general. So let's start it off. Game one. All right, let me make sure I pull everything. All right, so game one um, was against Orcs. Orcs, orcs, um, orcs, orcs. I did win this game. I won 100 to 87. Ooh, scored a perfect um, 100? Yeah, it was it was a good game for me. I got um, some really good rolls. And also, um, I think my opponent underestimated the power of the Forge Fiends. Gotcha. Um, in this fight. 
which helped me secure an early victory or an early lead, I should say. Okay. Um, and I was just kind of able to run away with it after a couple of, of things that happened to go my way. Um, the opponent was great. Um, their list was a bunch of trucks and boys and Gaz cool. flash kits. Yeah. Gaz was there. How, he, how was he to fight against? So here's a pain in the game. So I actually was able to limit Gaskell and what he did. Really? Um, he, he underestimated how powerful Gaskell is. Gotcha. Um, I just, I threw the great unclean one onto the middle objective. Oh, it was just like, come and take it. Um, yeah. So like he was trying to move him through the building. And uh. so when, because of where he ended, when he would move out of the building, it would basically just put him right on the edge. Mm-hmm. So I just kept kind of screening and was like, if you want to get through, you're going to have to get through the great unclean one. And I wasn't going to charge him because yeah. I knew Gaz was tough. So it made him hesitate, which bought mm-hmm. me time to move my things up the board. Gotcha. Um, yeah, because orcs are pretty quick. They're they're quick and they're pretty strong. Um, yeah, the fight on death. The Yeah, they had a fight on death. They had... In their list, they had some WA banners, which lets them extend their WA in additional oh. turns for four units that have it. So mm-hmm. that was kind of big. Um, like I said, lots of trucks. Yep. But a battle wagon. The, yep, the battle wagon. But because of being able to pick up so many units, he didn't really get to do the. There's like a strat where you can like slam an exploding truck into something and then like blows up and then the boys are just chilling right in front of your unit. Gotcha. I can't remember what the name of the stratagem is right now, but because of being able to eliminate things that I needed, Mm -hmm. um, he then had to use them more as like action monkeys. Gotcha. Instead. Um, they do have a little, a cool little trick though. They've got um, like a wrecking ball Uh on their data sheet. That's like, uh, does D six damage if it goes through. That's gross. Um, that you definitely would not expect from... And it's it's the uh, Kareen. That's what it is, yes. For one so, CP. Um, so that was just, uh, just, a big, just a big turn for me. The big solidifying factor was scoring um, pretty much maxed primaries. Oh, nice. The entire game. Um, and then I think I missed... Yeah, I missed Capture Enemy Outpost turn one. Gotcha. What was your uh, secondaries that you pulled? So in case you guys didn't know, he did play tactical. He didn't play fixed on his lists. So Yeah, I played tactical in every matchup. And um, the secondaries I got were Capture Enemy Outpost and Attempting Target turn one, uh, Defend Stronghold, Extend, Assassinate, Investigate, Storm Hostile and Cleanse, Deploy and Engage. How did... uh you got deploy. What was the first two? Uh, the first two was attempting target and capture enemy outpost. How'd you get capture? Did you get it or did? No, uh, that was the only one that I missed. Um, that is just one of those secondaries that just feels bad. I personally feel like it's not one that you should be able to do turn one. Mm-hmm. I know that there are armies that can do it and there are ways to do it, but I feel like most armies. You just get it. It's a dead secondary. It's a dead secondary on turn one because you can't move 24 plus inches. Unless you're angry. But not I mean, like I said, there are, there are a few that can do it, but you also then also have to hold it. Yeah. Like you could get there and then not hold it. So there's some little things like that. Um, 
but overall the match went well for me. Um, this army was mostly 3d printed, which I thought mm. was interesting. Um, what was the theme? It was uh pirate themed. Oh, so like all the boys had like, um, swashbuckler, like clothes on. They all, instead of having like their regular guns, they all had like, um, flintlock pistols and muskets and things like that. Um, I would in a, in a terrible orc voice, try to do a pirate thing, but it wouldn't end well. Um, they also had their, um, let me look at, I can't remember the name of their HQs. They had uh gas cool, uh, captain, captain bad Ruck. bad Ruck, so, Yeah. The, so captain bad Ruck looks like a pirate, which was cool. The Mazrog though, he had, instead of it being a, a big, like the, the big squig yeah. that he's on, it was a 3d printed squig shark. <laughs> so like it had like the squig legs, That's but it awesome. had like a shark tail and it had a shark mouth. Oh, what is the, um, with a big dorsal fin on it. Gotcha. So like, that was really cool. Um, a lot of the other stuff, the war bosses, they all were, if they weren't, they, I don't think they were fully 3d printed, but like he had pirates hats on them and made them all look like, like pirate captains and things like that. Gotcha. Um, were they, was it painted good or did it look like 3D printed? No, no, no. It was everything. Well, so you have to be painted to a little bit higher standard for LVO than battle ready. Uh-huh. Um, so everything was painted well, um, which was really cool because that, like, that's our favorite part of the hobby. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, but his trucks, they were um, boats <laughs> that were 3D printed that nice. had water. Like it was like um, they were like breaking through water on the sides, mm-hmm. which was really cool. Um, the battle wagon was just a battle wagon. Yeah. Um, the Gretchen were just Gretchen, but they had like a dude with them. And what's he called? The, like the leader of the Gretchen. Mm-hmm. Um, he looked like a pirate captain, which was kind of cool. Oh, really? Yeah. So it was a, it was a good game. You know, nice modeling. interesting list that they did. They took pride and made sure everything would look yeah, cool. And and, great, like I said, great opponent. That's one of the things. Um, uh, it, so I have a love and hate relationship for 3D printed models in competitive setting. The issue is you really can't get the the sizing right. So it could give you maybe not necessarily an unfair advantage, but it could give you an advantage to one player or the other, depending on how it goes. But you can do some really cool stuff. And if it's done right and the TO approves of it, then have at it. Yeah, but I like All my kit bashes I've done primarily with GW parts. So like my Steel Legion. They're all Krieg. I've sanded them down. My Cadian Castellan, he's kitbashed as a Krieger and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's cool. I like using bits. When I had my old Tanith army that I had before I got rid of it, I uh, ended up having uh, Victoria miniatures, the capes. Mm-hmm. They, uh, I use those. So I'm all for bits and stuff like that. But um, as long as it's done right, have at it. Yeah, I don't. I don't really have too many problems with three D prints as long as they're not like egregiously different, oversized. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, no real grievances. Um, was a good player. Yeah, he was a great guy, great opponent. Um, I'm gonna redact all the names. No, no, please don't, please um, don't put any names on there. But, um, yeah, it was it was a great it was a great way to start LVO. Awesome big win. Um, but then we get to game two. <laughs> Game that I played against was Leagues of Votan. 
Nice. Um, this was against one of the captains of Vanguard Tactics, which was really cool to get to play someone of that caliber. Oh wow! So how would you how would you rate this game? This was probably my favorite game really? of the weekend. Um, he was a great opponent, incredibly knowledgeable, um, no gotchas. You know, if if I didn't quite understand how a rule was going to interact, we like broke it down, talked about it. And then oh, I would so you, go from you got there. like a free coaching session out of out of ET, huh? Um, I mean, yeah, a little bit in, in <laughs> some regards. Yeah, it was really cool. He was a very nice player. Um, incredible, just an incredible match. Um, oh, I didn't realize this was your game two. I know we had talked about it, but I thought it was your game three or four. No, this was game two. Um, gotcha. This was Hammer and Anvil um, with okay. the Ritual. Um, it was a, it was a tough matchup. The, the ritual six Sagittars. Yeah. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, six Sagittars was pretty tough. Um, they just look at something, delete it. Yeah, that's a cool model. You go ahead and pick that up and look at it. <laughs> but, you know, I had opportunities to win, and I just um, couldn't do it. And this was one of those moments where the four-up invul save was real mm-hmm. against um, the league. I just a bucket of shots into the great unclean one just couldn't keep it alive. That's it. I mean, um, you're bound to fail when you roll a bucket of dice, you're bound to fail. Yeah, I was, um, that's my train of thought. Sorry. Uh, no, you're yeah, good. it was, we'll um, it. yeah, care of that post. <laughs> yeah. um, yeah, it was, like I said, just a very good game. Just couldn't keep up with the scoring. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately I ended up losing this match. Um, ninety-five to seventy. This was my biggest. oh. So you did you did pretty well against what would be considered a pro player. Yeah, this was and this was my biggest loss of the weekend. Twenty-five points was my biggest loss. Wow, that's that's incredibly impressive. Um, and not to toot our own horns, but you know, tear the mid tables. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it was it was a great game, and um, this was the first game I ever played on a chess clock. Really? How did um, that go? I mean, I, I know a lot of people swear by it, and some people absolutely hate it. And I personally, I'm trying to get better with playing on a chess clock because I want to be able to adapt to that because playing guard, I have to be conscious of how long my turns take. Mm-hmm. So I'm personally trying to better myself on playing with a chess clock. But being that they're like, hey, I want to play, what was your take on it? Um, so first, um, my opponent was very gracious. How he How he told me he plays on a chess clock was to track his events and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And that if he had any extra time, that I was more than welcome to use it. Oh, that's awesome. Um, which was really cool. I never ran into that problem. Mm-hmm. I ended the game with about 20 extra minutes. Oh, nice. Um, we both played very efficiently. I think we ended, we had three hour rounds and I think we ended about 40 ish minutes early. Oh, so you had plenty of time. Yeah. Either that or you just tabled you that quickly. Um, it was a little bit of both. It was a little bit of both. <laughs> That's, fair. That's fair. I put up a good fight. I just didn't have a lot of answers towards the end. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, that was, it was interesting. I never felt pressured, though. Like, I didn't feel like I was running out of time or anything like that. I just played my game, played smart. The biggest thing I can tell people, if you do get chess clocked, just don't overthink your plan. Yeah, don't don't let it get in your head. That was a hard thing for me to when I switched over to trying to play more on a chess clock was the, oh, I got to worry about my time. I got to worry about my time. got to worry. If you just go, I mean, it is what it is. You're going to play the same, try to play the same no matter what. 
And if the chess clock makes you a little faster, awesome. That's just better on you. And if it doesn't, then you know where you kind of need to adjust. Yeah. And like, this is where I'm also, there was a particular instance. I didn't quite understand. Like I had a tough decision to make Mm -hmm. on how to do something with my obliterators to score a secondary. And when I shot, I meant to shoot at his, um, his like Terminator unit. Yeah. And is that the Hearthkin? Um, I can look at his list and tell you which one you want to use. That's, I think that's what the, the the hearth, hearth guard. Yeah. I believe it's the hearth guard. Is there, yeah. Is there Terminators? Terminators. Um, so I meant to shoot at them trying to whittle them down a little bit. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and then charge the rhino gotcha. with my obliterators because if I blow up the rhino, I get um, area denial. Okay. But whenever I was like trying to keep up with and stuff, I targeted the rhino with the gun and blew up the rhino, which then made me ineligible to, to, to make, make the, the charge. charge to get area denial. Mm-hmm. And he was super nice and let me take it back. That's shoot the awesome. other unit, charge it. So I got my points, got to shoot the correct unit. Like it was a very, like I said, very good game. You know, that's like a, a dream opponent. Yeah. No, and that's one of the things, man. I have, and I'm going to, I guess, give them a little bit of a free sponsor, whatever. Sponsor us. But uh, I have played, I've, I've participated in the Vanguard Tactics Academy. And that is one of their biggest things is like, listen, we're trying to elevate the play here. You don't have to be a dick. You know, come in, fair play. If somebody makes a mistake, awesome. Let them take it back. They, they stress that all throughout it, and it's really nice to see that it's not just a marketing ploy that they it were translates like. translates to the game. Yeah, that they were like, oh, no, by all means, take it back. Let's see what we can do. Let's see if we can get you to score more points or, you know, and make a better game about it instead of just like that typical Warhammer opponent that you hear about that everybody has that nightmare of, of like, well, no, you didn't lay out your intent. Sucks to be you. Right. So. Um, so that one, like I said, Ultimately, I ended up losing, but it was probably my favorite match of the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was 95-72. Um, gotcha. Leagues of Otan. Um, match three, which was the final day of day one, was against... Um, so this is, we're at six hours of Warhammer working towards nine. Yes. Yeah. It's a lot of Warhammer in one day. So day one was round one, starts at 10, mm-hmm. finish at noon. Was it 10? No, 10 to one. Um, hour-long lunch break, mm-hmm. come back 2 to 5, 30-minute break, 5.30 to 8.30. Oh, that's good. So they gave you a 30-minute break to be able yeah, to... Yeah, even to just run to the bathroom, grab yeah. the water or something, which was really nice. Um, this was against Necrons. Okay. Um, this was my first Necron game. Was this the new Codex or the old Codex? Um, this or is, the Index? This is all Codex now. All Codex now. So this is the boogeyman that is kind of what they've been talking about. Yes, and so um, I played into this. This was um, a little bit of false hope mm-hmm. um, <laughs> coming up for my second. This list was drastically different from uh, my second Necron game that I played. But I think the big thing was um, the difference between this list and the other list I played was this one was ready to play 
um, two 10-man units of Immortals. Okay. There was an FAQ dropped the day before cutoff, which made the FAQ legal. Oh, no. Um, okay. That changed the way one of the Kineptic Court stratagems worked. Mm-hmm. Basically, what this did was it eliminated the Immortals from being targetable by this stratagem. And before it was changed, it was allowing Immortals to average, I want to say it was like close to 40 devastating wounds. Jesus Christ. Per, Per turn. That's ridiculous. And so they changed it to where they could not be targeted, so they could not do the devastating wounds to that mm-hmm. capability. Um, and so it left a lot of Necron players kind of in a tough spot mm. because it was the day before cutoff. Yeah. Um, there's nothing they can really do about it. I mean, they've already got their list pretty much built, painted, built, and ready painted. To go. You know, at that point, you're basically getting them ready to go in the box. Yeah. I mean, but unfortunately, it, I mean, you're looking at pre-nerf uh, Eldar levels of insane dev wound. Right, yeah. And they and were we also the most though. represented faction at the tournament. Oh, were they? Yes, it was. I mean, I guess that makes sense. They just had their codex drop. It's a very powerful codex. Yes. And, I mean, I guess it makes sense. Um, did you see a lot of Admech? Speaking of new codex. I did not. They're not performing very well. I want to say they had the lowest win rate at LVO. So much for the uh, codex creep. Going into their favor. It, it, you know, it happens. Some some people get bad codexes. Listen, man, you, to have really good codexes, you got to be able to compare them to really bad ones. Yeah. But don't worry, um, Admech. The data slate's coming. But that game, I really came down to, I was just able to pick up the two big blocks of Immortals early. Gotcha. And then... Did you win this one? I did win this one. I oh, won this I one um, 95 to 49. Okay. Um, and Another near-perfect game. This was... Like I've said, this is where a lot of people thought the Great Unclean one was the MVP. Uh-huh. The Great Unclean one tied up two units for five rounds. Wow. Um, they would fall back. I would push up. Mm-hmm. They would fall back. I'd push up until I just had them pinned to where I was was keeping them off of objectives so I could run things. And then eventually the Nightbringer came around and just started bodying things left and right. Um, the other thing that won me this game, mm-hmm. I, I personally believe I took an early lead because of getting rid of the immortals and stuff um, with the forge fiends and stuff. He, uh, my opponent, they played fixed secondaries. Gotcha. They played, um, I'll pull it up real quick. They played assassinate and deploy teleport Homer. I feel like assassinate would be not very good against your army. So my army has five characters. Yeah. Um, and so like, if you, if you just kill all of them. Yeah. And the Nightbringer is terrifying. Is it? Is it really that powerful? I've I've read that it's it's a stupidly powerful it, model. It's real. Um, with Kineptic Court, mm-hmm. they're fighting in the midboard as long as they control half mm-hmm. of the. Uh, AP, I want to say AP three D six plus two damage a piece. Jeez, that was, it was like five or six attacks. Uh huh. So, like, he's wounding the great unclean one on threes. Yeah. I mean, and realistically, there's not much that you can do. I mean, there's only so many four-ups that you can make. Right. Well, and then, like, so. if you touch them into a unit of Chosen, each failed six-up is a dead Chosen. Yeah. So, like, just very powerful. Um, but because of the pressure that the great unclean one supplied and the forged fiends, the for- so what made it possible the forged fiend blew up a whole unit of immortals. That's good. And then the big block of Chosen and the Demon Prince took care of the other block of Immortals in the same... They 
dual charged. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was just able to do that. And then once I had such a big lead and had his models on the far side of the board, the one thing about um, Nightbringer is he's like a five or six inch movement. Mm-hmm. So if you can stay away from him, he can't get to you. So whenever he did that, instead of just leaving my characters out in the open, I hid them all behind a building in my deployment zone. Gotcha. So like all my chosen died, but the chaos Lord was left with two wounds left. Mm-hmm. I able to scuttle away, I scuttled him behind a building. I wrapped the great unclean or the great, sorry, the uh, demon prince behind the same building mm-hmm. and pushed the blue scribes into that building as well so that he couldn't see them. So he couldn't shoot them. Gotcha. And so just, that was one of those things where like I played well, but I, the gap was so big because I played to deny points mm-hmm. versus trying to score points and just let the scoring happen naturally. Gotcha. Um, I'd say you definitely scored naturally enough. Right. And and I did enough and I did good. Um, the only thing I missed was bring it down at the end, but mm-hmm. I just, I decided it was more important for me to hold the lead yeah. than to pull anything out to try to get those last couple of points. Yeah. And I mean, if that's the case, if you've already holding on to a lead is going to win you the game, not necessarily trying to score as much points on to your opponent as you can. Right. And so that as was as weird the, as that sounds. That was the end of day one. I ended day one, two and one, which felt good. Um, the dream is, was three and three and mm-hmm. we got there. Um, but I realistically, I just wanted one win. That's it. Just, um, just that one win make you feel good. You know, there's just a ton of amazing players there. So you never know what you're going to run into. Yeah. Um, uh, so that takes us to day two, uh, round four. I played into um, Thousand Sons, which fortunately one of my best friends plays Thousand Sons. So you got, so got a lot of practice against Thousand I have a Sons. lot of practice against him and then also lots of conversation mm-hmm. about Thousand Sons. So that helped a lot in this game. Um, this, I think this game was decided because of two, personally two um, overextensions mm-hmm. that my opponent made. Um, the Umberlithic Crystal, which lets you basically turn one deep strike. Gotcha. Um, a 10-man unit of um, Terminators with a Sorcerer and Terminator armor into my backfield. Mm-hmm. Um, they blew up the Rhino, which was big, but I was able to keep... Um, I made some good saves, kept my big brick of Chosen alive, um, and then just turned the Forge Fiends. And this is where I was talking about the Hazardous Devastating yeah. was big. Um, so a couple of things I did five devastating wounds mm-hmm. with the full fishing for rerolls with the chaos undivided. So it was five, just five dead terminators, um, but picked up the whole unit between it and the other forge fiend. But I have always joked with Jake that there's always a chance <laughs> that I blow up my own, own forge fiend doing this. And that's why I don't do it often. Yeah. I, I roll two ones and a two for hazardous. So I take six mortals. Uh, that that felt good. And then I roll my dark pact, mm-hmm. and I fail. Oh no! And I take three more mortals. Oh and no! I left. I was one one dice roll away from blowing up my own forge fiend. Oh man! So nothing like having a model do more damage to itself than uh, the opponent does to it. Yeah, feels real so, good. So you know there there's give and take, but I mean. Five just dying and not allowing the four up was huge. Yeah, that's true. So um, I was able to eliminate that and take care of it. The Chosen, um, with advance and charge, took care of Araman mm-hmm. um, and his five-man unit of Flamers. But the other big thing that I think really solidified the wind was 
after he needed to make a play, he overextended Magnus, mm-hmm. popped yeah. the rhino with the five-man unit. This, is, this is your favorite part of that's happened. Yeah, this is, this is right here one of the two reasons why the Blue Scribes are my MVP. So he pops the rhino with Magnus and shooting, charges mm-hmm. them. The Chaos Lord goes crazy, does 12 devastating wounds to Magnus. Oh, my God. So um, leaves Magnus on four wounds left. Mm-hmm. And on the swing back, I just got lucky. He only wounded two times. Oh, really? He rolled, I think, like three ones to hit with just nothing to re-roll. Yeah. And um, then rolled, I think, two ones to wound. And so you just roll it, and you're like, hmm, screw me, I guess. And so it was AP3. I just, I I think I either saved one or, like, both just died. Mm -hmm. And then um, I fell back out of combat because that Chosen can do that. Yeah. And then because he was within six inches of my blue scribes, I got to roll for mortal wounds, and I dealt five mortal wounds to Magnus. (laughs) And blew oh, up Magnus I bet with you the that just fell. Just like, oh. So, uh, yeah, Mag- Magnus takes five mortals. Cool. It feels I'm, sacrilegious I'm that a Zinch demon t- <laughs> took care of Magnus, but, it, you know, it is what it is. Hey, man, uh, change is everywhere. Sometimes you just got to uh, change these hands into Magnus's face. Um, this opponent also was great to play against when he realized it was, you know, I took care of so much so fast. Mm-hmm. Um, our favorite joke of the weekend was he had two uh, Terminators left that needed an 11-inch charge into my eight Chosen that were remaining. And he goes, fuck it, we ball, and rolls a 12. <laughs> oh, shit. Into him on the middle objective. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, that's it. We're going yeah. balls deep at that point. <laughs> yeah. So, um, also a great opponent, uh, was a great guy. Um, awesome. And I ended up winning that one 94 to 50. Uh, I forgot to ask, how was the uh, the Necron opponent? My first Necron opponent was yeah. great. Uh, his dice, so his dice were so good. Oh, they were just turn, hot. So turn turn one and two, his dice were so good. I was like, I'm about do we to need put to flush these. these? In a, yeah, I was like, we need to check these in the toilet or something. <laughs> yeah. can, can we just go ahead and uh, flush test these dice, make sure they're okay? And then turn three happened, and it was like he just couldn't roll above a two. Oh, homeboy was, had my problem. Yeah, like he was so Doomstalker, or I think they're called... Something maybe they're just called Doomstalkers. Yeah, they Overwatch on five ups, and That's he disgusting. was just like he would roll, and he gets free, free re rolls in mm-hmm. his deployment zone, and he was just hitting like seven or eight on D six plus three, hitting oh, on fives, was just hitting eight, and I was like, oh god, <laughs> this isn't and, good. And then he'd be like, into your chosen. I'm like, okay, and it would be like twos to wound, and I was like, okay, <laughs> and um, and you know, like I think he picked up. There was one turn. He picked up six chosen in Overwatch. Jesus, that's so many chosen in Overwatch. That's yeah. That's a feel bad over. Well, it's a feel great Overwatch if you're the the Necron player. But I also learned some things that game. Like I could have done different um, with some different stratagems and stuff to try to keep my survivability up. Mm-hmm. But um, regardless, like I said, I won that one. My second game, um, I won ninety four to fifty. The only thing that I missed. This was the. Uh, 94 to 50 was the Thousand Suns game, right? Yes. Okay. Oh, I didn't give myself this. Okay, so I guess it would have been 99 to 50. Oh, I, sure. I, I pulled points now. It's fine. What's, what's, I pulled what's assassinate. Points friends? I pulled assassinate. 
Oh, killed Magnus. No, no, no. I pulled assassinate on turn five. Uh-huh. But when you play tactical, as long as all the HQs are dead, oh, you have yeah, it. Oh, yeah, that's right. So I should, it should have been 99, but that's fine. Like, it, it's five points. Yeah, what's five points, most friends? Um, and then round five. So I was feeling pretty good. Hey, just think of it this way. Technically, you only needed to paint half your army that round. Why? It's 10 points for the painted. Mm. Da, 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 da. Bad. <laughs> um so then i was feeling pretty good like that was my third win yeah so i was like sweet you like, got there you, you i got what i wanted we're playing with house money at this now point. at this point i'm like all right let's see if i can get four and two four and mm-hmm. two just elated at that point right yeah so turn five or game five we're all up in the, we're all upstairs in the hotel room eating uh lunch because we're not paying for lunch because it was crazy so we're eating pb and chase and pringles yeah, we'll get to that next and uh pairings go up about 30 minutes before mm-hmm. lunch is over and i was like sweet let me take a look it's eldari and i'm like okay all right, maybe it's not bad so i've seen some eldari lists like at this point mm-hmm. and they haven't been horrible and then i get triple night spinner wraith guard incarn fuegan altar just, just everything that you just right, like this is great yeah this is fuck me i guess and um this was one of those games that you just you go in knowing you're not winning yeah. It, if you don't know what the Night Spinner does, D6 plus three shots plus blast, um, as long as it hits, no advance minus two to movement. Ugh. So there's nothing you can do. Incarn, everybody knows that one also. Mm-hmm. If a model dies in each phase, not once per turn, each phase, it can move within an inch of where that unit was. Um, it doesn't matter where it's on the board. If it nope. dies, as long as it's going. dead. Um, two five-man units, warp spiders, 24-inch flicker jump. Devastating wounds on flamers. So it's just 12d6 flamer shots. I mean, I want to make fun of this person for playing a, you know, a super meta high powered list, but can you blame him? Tell you. No, I, and I get it. Like, I get yeah. it. Um, and he was a great opponent. Like, he was like, I know. Like, like I got there and he's <laughs> like, like, he just walked in. He's just like, I know, dude. Just, yeah, yeah. I know. Like, he didn't even deny it. And I was uh-huh. like, all right, as long as we're on the same page, man. Th- that's it, dude. When you're just like, all right, I get it. I'm I'm about to get my uh my schmeat smacked. Yep. And, and so like, all right, cool. Uh, turn one blows up a forge fiend with the warp spiders in Karn on my objective, top of one. That <laughs> must have fell. Just awesome. Yep. <laughs> I don't know, I'm gonna handle this. So fortunately, um some things went my way. Big did, six with the blue scribes. Did, did you ever used to play StarCraft when, when you were a kid? No, I never played StarCraft. So I used to play StarCraft. Um and one of the, and especially StarCraft Two, one of the worst things that you can do is as a, well, I play Terran because I'm a basic bitch, but Protoss, you could essentially skedaddle a probe up into the your opponent's base and build a warp prism. And basically what you do is, because keep in mind, Eldari is just Protoss, you uh, can then summon in Zealots from that warp prism and just basically just, you just create as many as you can. Gotcha. And that's literally like, you just blow something up. Here comes the incarn. It's essentially your, your or prism spam. So cheese. So I got, what I did was, um, that happened. He charged into the blue scribes. Mm-hmm. Um, did not kill them. I made three, four up in saves. Oh my dude. To keep them alive. Fought back. Blue scribes have anti psyker two up. Oh, <laughs> I forgot about that. So I think I, pl- I think I like picked off like, three wounds like i think still so three like he just rolled two twos and a one 
and he made the other two. So like mm-hmm. three wounds there was big. Goes to my turn. Um, roll the roll the big six mm-hmm. to um for mortal wounds because oh, we're within yeah. engagement range. Yeah, no, that- do five mortal wounds. So now I've got eight of the twelve, and then um, I was like, I have to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Slam the demon prince in. Roll ten dice. Five mortal wounds. Pick up the incarn. Oh, I bet you that felt fantastic. It, it did feel good, but with all that happening, the night spinners blew up the rhinos. Gotcha. And so my so you chosen, no, my chosen were stuck in my deployment zone all game. Gotcha. And so like that, that is the only thing that was like mild. Well, it was more. It was frustrating. Like mm-hmm. I think anybody can attest to the game becomes inter- uninteractive at that point. Yeah. And and guys, keep in mind too, we are talking, this is day three? Day two. Day it's, two. It's a two-day event. Okay. Yeah. So day two, you've already played 12 hours right. of Warhammer. Okay. Right. Just do me a favor. Go play 12 hours of Warhammer and don't get frustrated. If you do, guess what? You're getting a Nobel Peace Prize for that. Right. And so, you know, um, so that was frustrating. I got. I tried to get my obliterators into position to try to help with a couple things. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't realize the Autark and Fuegan mm-hmm. both are models that come back to life on a two-up. I did not know that. Uh, Fuegan has a flat six damage melta gun. <laughs> oh shit! Um, it's it's like yeah. six damage melta six or something crazy like that. Oh my god, that um, is. He walks it up 25 millimeter base because it's like from fourth edition. So you can't move block it out within an inch of a wall. It's just like, oh, that's it's just, cool. It's just there. I'm an, I'm an inch outside the wall. Great. Yeah, so, let, me, let me show you what I'm about to do. So he Those walks. models are pretty. Pick he, them up. He walks around the corner and goes, I'm within 12 inches of your rhino. Ba-boom. And just blows it up one shot. I was like, good talk. And so it feels great. Uh, so I kill him with the obliterators. Comes back to life. Blows up my obliterator. <laughs> just walks over and be like, hey. Hey, I heard uh, heard you were talking shit. Yeah, pretty much. Cast fist. Yeah. Um, well, so what was scary was he blew up one with the gun, mm-hmm. charged in, and he's got like a flat four damage I can in just, combat. I can literally hear the obliterator. Like he blows up the rhino. The obliterators kill him. Gets back up. Nani? Yeah. Yeah, man. It was, <laughs> it was something. But, um, you know, it is what it is. There's a data slate coming. We can all hope for the best. Uh, like I said, but the other thing though, and I will say this, like, although like it was a very strong list and that list is very broken. <laughs> um, my opponent was not rude by any means. He didn't flaunt it, didn't anything like no, no, no. that. It was just like, you know, like we played, we both understood what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he ended up going five Dude, and one. An ass whooping is a lot easier to take when you know it's coming. Right. Um, he ended up going, I think five and one. Oh, good for him. Um, his only loss was the mirror. That's an Eldar thing. Yeah. Um, he just, he also ran into triple night spinner. And so it was just, who's going to roll better. <laughs> That's it. It's a, it is a dice game. And at that point it is what it is. Um, I got it in here. I think, so I couldn't remember how we, we got it all at the end, but in here I've got it that I lost 65 to 56, but we, I know I had four points somewhere. So I ended up losing 65 to 60. Oh, okay. Um, and so it was basically like, if I'm not going to the top 16, I'm taking you down with me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like that, that old video, you ain't getting no sleep because, or if I ain't getting no sleep because you, you ain't getting no sleep because of me. Yeah. And so, um, that was a, it was a really great game again. Um, cannot stress enough that, um, all of my opponents were great. That's awesome. And then, you know, we finished that game probably an, an hour early. 
Well, yeah, when you're just picking up models. It was just it was just dev wounds. Like, yeah, it's it's dev wounds. I did what I could. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, my last game, so I, another break. We're at we're at what fifteen hours played at this point. Yeah, a fifteen hours of Warhammer playing and, Eldar. Yeah, and yeah. Necrons and uh, just all the top meta. And so my final game was also um, Necrons. Okay. Um, this list very different than the list I played previously. They okay. ran all four Catans. Really, and they are nuts. Uh, yeah, I mean, Catans are... Half damage, four up in vol, five up field and pain. That's fine. They just live. T11, 12 wounds. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And reanimating. Oh, that's good. On um, two ups. Yeah, just, just that's fine. We're, we're just here. Uh, reanimator, running around, doing double reanimates on anything within six inches. Um, wraiths, were, besides the Catan, or Catan, sorry. Whatever. Um, the Wraiths showed up in both units. I don't know if you guys know what Wraiths are. They're like these really, like spindly looking scaraby like big scarab looking things mm-hmm. um four wounds those a piece. Like, no i'm thinking yeah necra are those like the uh you've seen war of the worlds right mm-hmm. the big tripod walker thingies you know the no those tripod walker things those are the um the doom stalkers gotcha gotcha okay um these things they just kind of look like a floating bug. That's the best way I can describe it. <laughs> fair um, enough, fair but enough. they're T six, four up in vol, um, five up feel no pain. Yeah, oh, they're, they're cockroaches. Yeah, and uh, they're beasts. So also oh, they go through walls. Yep, and they fly. So oh, so they so they're palmetto bugs. Yes, they're they, they're they're, they're, they're yes. necron palmetto bugs. Yeah, they are your worst nightmare. Um, very very strong list. Just could not chew through the wounds. Mm-hmm. Super survivable. Rerolling to hit. Did it have a lot of recursion and stuff like that and reanimate? Yeah, reanimate. Like, I just, I couldn't eat through the wraiths enough. And then this game, on top of um, on top of it, there were a couple of, like, moments that I'm sure we were both tired. The sportsmanship was not, not there to the highest of quality. Um, and I would probably say on both ends. I mean, you're 15 hours deep. Yeah, you're just, and, you the know, last thing you want to do is roll another loss dice. On top of it. We're playing within points of each other the entire game. Yeah. So you have, it's not like you can turn your brain off and just enjoy the game. Right. You're having a fight. You're having, because it's so close. Right. It's a slog the entire game. And um, so this was also the first game that I felt in the entirety of playing Chaos Space Marines, my dark packs potentially won him this game. Really? There was, I killed both units of obliterators with dark packs. Ouch. And a forge fiend. Ouch. Um, in two turns. Were they su- su- subsequent turns? Uh, yeah, I lost the obliterate. I lost one unit of obliterators turn three mm-hmm. and then lost the forge fiend and a unit of obliterators turn four. Ouch. Um, gotcha. And, and it was because I was, I was in a position where I knew it was possible Mm-hmm. But I was also in a position where I needed to make a play to try to keep. I was at like a like a five point lead. Oh, so it was it was it was so basically what was happening was it was going to my turn and I would mm-hmm. have a five point lead, and it would go to his turn and he would have a one point lead, and then gotcha. I would have a five point lead and then he would have a two point lead, and so like it just we kept bouncing back and forth and it was on priority targets, mm-hmm. which meant that at the end I knew he had more units than me. He was getting those fifteen points at the end. Yeah. And so I was just trying to deny, 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 and I needed to make a play. 
and you know it happens. It's a six up dice roll. You have good good shot, but yeah. you know every once in a while, um, they were alive on three wounds, and I just I rolled a six on the d three, so nothing it, I can do about it. It happens. Um, that's the first time though in I don't know. I've probably played close to. 60 games mm-hmm. with the Chaos Space Marines, and that's the first time I've ever felt like the Dark Packs betrayed you. Betrayed me, yeah. The gods are fickle, dude. Yeah. The but, gods are fickle, especially um, the dice gods. So it, it then came down to like one dice roll, uh, or not a dice roll. It came down to a secondary that was kind of questionable um, whether I could get it or not. And I just decided that I was exhausted. Sanity it, it is not worth the win. It could have gone either way. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, you got it. Like, I'm just, I'm just exhausted. Listen, man, sometimes as much as it is, you want to fight to win. Sometimes you just need to not take the L, but, but you know, it, like it was the end of the day. I was happy with three and three. Yeah. Um, I ended up losing 88 to 87. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I played a good game. I had plenty of opportunities to make sure that it didn't come to that. Yeah. And uh, just didn't execute. So three and three was my final list, and I'm I'm happy with it. Hey, uh, that was the goal. Four and two would have been fantastic, but mm-hmm. listen, you got to set a realistic goal. And three and three, well, winning one was the realistic goal mm-hmm. with the hopes, but going three and three at LVO, some of the best players in the world, you can't you can't be upset about that. Yeah, and like I said, I think I said before, I ended up like I think three hundred and second. Out of, I think there were 1,100 players that signed up. Yeah, and I mean, you figure you are in the top third of best players in the world. Yeah, so it was it was super exciting, um, and I'm looking forward to, obviously, more big events. This is what I love about I love going to big events. Um, I think I've been to two of them now. We went to the Open, Yep. and we played Narrative, but next year I would next like year to go we are going. more competitive side of things now. No, that's fair enough. But so, yeah, yeah. Um, those were all the matches, three and three. Went over everything like that. I'd say uh, played a damn good, damn good tournament. Yeah, I was I was pleased with my performance. Um, obviously, you know, you want to go, you want to go winning record, but I'd never been to anything that more than forty players, I think. Yeah, and so I'll take three and three all day. Yeah. So, but so there's the list. Um, next up, we're just going to be talking about LVO as a whole. And recommendations and what to avoid and what to do. Yeah. Um, so we got there. The tournament started Friday. We got there Wednesday evening. Okay. Um, Was that enough time? Yeah, because then also, like, because coming from here, it's a three-hour time change. Oh, yeah, that is true. So, like, that first night, like, I think we were, we were up to, like, 2, 3 in the morning because that's midnight <laughs> for us yeah. here. Um, so, like, it helped us kind of acclimate a little bit Mm -hmm. and then it gave us thursday to really just kind of explore we went to early registration got to walk (laughs) around and stuff like that the three mile long line that was it was a very long line for early registration um but yeah we we went and did that we went like shopped around we stayed at the rio where the convention was Mm -hmm. which was fun and that's where most people stay yeah um uh, we went to early registration okay um and that was on Thursday, and it took us most of the evening. And then I went to previews that night, okay, which was a lot of fun. Um, How was the previews? Was it pretty, like, was everybody really ecstatic with everything that came out? Or was there a lot of mixed emotions? Or um, I think for the most part, everyone's pretty excited. Mm-hmm. I was a little let down as a 40K player just seeing just Crute. 
I was hoping for Emperor's Children, but, you know, um, wishful thinking. They're coming at the end, dude. When, uh, listen, every Chaos L brings back a new Primark. <laughs> um, so that was, the previews were fun. Now, you did get a uh, a cool little souvenir that came with the previews. Yeah, so for going to the previews, you got a GW tarot card. Um, and there's, like, a whole set of tarot cards that you're supposedly try, you're supposed to try to collect and I don't know why, but they said, like, if you do collect all of them to come see a GW representative, I don't know what that means. They didn't uh, disclose do anything. Do you go to a store? Do you wait until... I, I'm not sure. Like, that's all they said, a GW representative. That's cool. Um, now the hunt is on. Right, the hunt is on. Um, so that was fun. Like, then then Friday and Saturday, we were just eating up with playing in the tournament. Yeah, no, it's um, Exhausted, like, just... Just laying around in the evening. <laughs> just hating. You're, like, you're just done. You're just like, I'm I'm done. I, I ain't doing nothing. I'm just resting my eyes. Yep. And then Sunday, since we weren't in the top eight, which honestly, like, kudos to those guys. There's three more rounds. Uh, and I the could. shadow round on day. So um, shadow round day two mm-hmm. started at nine. Ugh. So you played from nine to midnight and then got up for the top eight the next day. Fuck that. <laughs> yeah. So kudos to those guys. Yeah. But um, that's why they're world-class players, man. Absolutely. Um, but we went and just enjoyed the, like, actual convention. Okay. It wasn't, like, super huge, but, like, there was lots of vendors and um, there were lots of, like, um, content creators there. So, oh, cool. like, I met Adrian from Tabletop Titans. Oh, Super nice. great guy. Um, and I believe it was his wife and one of the other girls that are on the show uh-huh. they were there they were all incredible um i met duncan rhodes oh that's awesome yeah he that was, man he was so nice um, i've i he is a founding pillar of the painting community in my eyes from all his different uh tutorials and things like that he does it's just fantastic oh yeah um so yeah i met i met him and again awesome guy to meet um, asked questions, looked at pictures of my army. Oh, really? Like, yeah, he's just super great guy. Did you but, go put, check out the two thin coats? Yeah, that's where that's where I saw. Um, that's where Duncan. you saw Duncan. At? Yeah, oh, was, I don't know if you saw him like just walking around or if you met him. No, at he the, was pretty much at his booth like the entire weekend. Got you. Did you check out any of the paints or anything like that? Um, I mean, like they had their stuff there. Mm-hmm. Um, I've used them before. Gotcha. I know they're fixing to launch their next expansion on their paint set. So, oh, are they? Yeah. Um, did you get any cool models? Yeah, I met, um, before I get into the models I got, I did meet one other creator. Um, his name is Kenny from the Long War Podcast. Oh, okay. Um, I've been a longtime follower of his painting. Like, he was the one, one of those guys that I watched at a young age mm-hmm. and was like, this dude's incredible. So it was really exciting. To That's how I am with Tuckin' Roads. I just following him from when I, I, my first model that I painted, I followed a tutorial that he did mm-hmm. just so that way I could learn how to paint miniatures and since then, it's like I watch all his videos just because it's nice and centered around teaching. Right. Um, and then model wise, I got um, I picked up a creature caster model. Oh, okay. Um, to paint, it's called the Hunter, mm-hmm. and it's basically it looks kind of like a witch hunter. Um, oh, that's cool. And then I bought. Well, it comes with you can either make him like on a thirty-two mil, or you can put him on like a fifty mil. Um, 
not they're not called dynamic bases, but yeah, they're, uh, you know, what like I'm a display about. base. Like a, yeah, thank you, a display base. Mm-hmm. And uh, the it's him. He's got one hand shooting um, like a zombie. Yeah. And the zombie is falling back and like the gun smoke is going through its head. Oh, that's cool. And then the other one is like um, a zombie crawling up over to him and he's pointing his gun like down at an angle like he's about to shoot them in the head as well. Oh, that's cool. You could probably, um, I know you don't really play OS, but if you get into it, there is um, Hexbane's Hunters and the Van Dents that you could proxy that model for if you wanted to. Yeah, um, I probably will keep it on the big base because you only get one or the other. Oh, okay. And, so then, um, yeah, I just want him to. It's going to be a passion display. project just to have it the house. Are you going to put that with your um, next to your Princess Peach, the one that you did with uh, <laughs> the zombie Princess Peach? Probably so. Something dorky. Yeah. Um, but it, it was a really cool model. Um, they had lots of like um, used models. Frontline Gaming had like their whole secondhand store there. Oh wow, which was pretty cool. Um, I just didn't find anything that I was really looking for. I contemplated. I have always wanted the old original Dark Apostle. Oh, okay. Um, and they did have one, but I didn't realize how small it was. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, it's it was on a 25 mil. Oof. And it showed that like, it was a 25. Yeah, so that... I didn't even think if I built it up, I could get it up to where it needs to be now. Yeah. Did they have any cool of the old metal uh, guard models? No, they didn't really. they didn't really have anything like that. And then the GW store was much smaller than, um, like, at the Open. Gotcha. So, like, they didn't really have any Forge World stuff or anything. The only thing I was kind of bummed I missed out on was they had purity seals that could, like, go onto backpacks. Mm-hmm. And they had a Grey Knight one the first night. And oh. I was like, oh, I kind of want that. And I was like, but I'll wait and come back because I figured they had a ton of them. And that was, like, the only one. So I missed oh, out no. on, on that. So I'll be looking for that at, like, the next big event we go to. That'd be cool, especially for your Grey Knights army. If you yeah, that. that's yeah, that was the main reason. Yeah, no, um, that's fair. But they had some other cool, like they had some cool stuff. There's also like they have a pin set mm-hmm. um, of Nurglings, and you try <laughs> to collect all the different Nurgling yeah. pins. That was kind of cool. They did, had like do they have the sassy Nurgling? No, they're all like um, they're yeah. all just kind of like standing there, kind of goofy, but they're all different colors. Oh, okay. So you have to try to hunt down the different color ones, ones, and they only had like two or three of them. So like. You go to different events to try to find them, which is yeah, cool. Yeah, I gotcha. Um, the one thing that was there that I thought was really cool was they had a Smaug model for um, for Middle Earth. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that that model existed. I kind of want to try playing Middle Earth. I hear it's fun. Um, I'd probably try it. It's got a lot of the rules of Warhammer Fantasy. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I would, I would probably try it for like nostalgia's sake. Okay. But... The Smaug model was just, it was just massive. And I was like, man, I was, I don't know how I'm getting it home to Florida. <laughs> right. Yeah, you have to UPS it. Right. But um, it was, was your really luck cool. get there before you did. Right. But I think, man, I think that's pretty much it. Okay, cool. So <sighs> let me ask you this. So you did have a small budget mm-hmm. to go on. Um, For the potential person that was looking to go to LVO. Realistically speaking, how much money do you think it'll cost to to go to to get there bare minimum? Let's say you're going with a group of guys, a bunch of your friends are going. The extreme bare minimum, you're eating PB and J and begging on the street for water cups. The okay, you go. Uh, you definitely have to be conscious of whatever you spend on and be careful. Like we're probably eating McDonald's, maybe ordering, going to dinner maybe once a night. And then the 
um, you're going to have fun. Okay. So, um, yeah. I w- so the reason like the budget was so tight was it was very last minute that I was given the opportunity to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so like bare minimum, are you include, is this just like the money you would need there or is this including the plane ticket and all that stuff? I would say the money that you need there, obviously the plane ticket's going to vary. This is assuming that you've, you've bought your plane ticket. You've got your ticket to go. Somebody that wants to just, you know, the good time money, because obviously you're paying tickets going to be anywhere from two to $300. You're, if you're going with a group of guys, your hotel is going to be anywhere between three to $400. Hopefully you've got enough people. Realistically, you're looking at about a thousand mm-hmm. for your hotel because you want to stay there at least four or five nights. Mm-hmm. So I would say just the money to go play, get food, enjoy your time, maybe a little spending cash. Um, and eat. Cause I know as we were talking, Las Vegas is just stupidly expensive. Yeah, it, it was, it was very expensive. Um, if you're going to go budget, you know, you, uh, we door dashed, mm-hmm. um, groceries to the hotel room, um, to cut down on things. Like, like I said, we did PB and J and Pringles. There you go. We got, you know, like, I think we paid for like 10 Gatorades. Try mm-hmm. to keep us a little bit hydrated. hydrated after a long day. A little vascular. Um, you could probably, and if you, like, and if you were going out to dinner one night and you're not doing anything crazy, like, if you're just going out, an not average going meal. To Palace. Yeah, or, if you're just going to get, like, a burger down in one of the, like, one of the um, restaurants at the Rio, you're probably mm-hmm. going to pay, like, 30 bucks okay. per meal. So, if you do that every night. And then the PB and J's and stuff, and you don't bring any like fun money. You could <laughs> what's, you what's could fun money. You could probably get through the entire thing for about three hundred bucks. Okay, um, and three hundred bucks probably like if you budgeted right, you could still go pick up yourself a little something to take home as like a memento. Okay, um, if you are wanting to do like all the bells and whistles, probably close to probably a grand to twelve hundred bucks. Okay, I'm not a big gambler. And I'm not a big drinker. Nah, gambling and drinking is should be its um, own. So, budget, like, so. if if that is something that is you're like, I'm going to Vegas. I want to do those things. Then and I would say budget accordingly. But 1,200 bucks would get you like, you get to go to Caesar's Palace one night. You get to go out and get a really nice meal somewhere else. You go and get to hit all the things in Las Vegas. Yeah, check the boxes, go through. Yeah, but um, you know that's like obviously case to case. You mm-hmm. know. Some people like to do other things like that than others. Um, we did end up finding like a place you could eat a little bit cheaper in the Rio. It just, we didn't find it till the last day. Yeah. Those meals, instead of being like 30 to 40, were running us like 15 to 25. Okay. So like a reasonable yeah. eat out. Like, yeah, it was, they were more like um, budget bees and all that stuff. Yeah. These places were more like a, um, like a fast food style instead of everything mm-hmm. being like sit down and gotcha. stuff. So it's definitely not a cheap trip. You can make it happen on a budget and in a pinch. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you did it. Yeah, and I would, I would go again. Okay. I don't, I don't know if it's something like I need to do every year. Yeah, but you know, like I've got a big group of friends that have not been yet, and they want to go. Me included. I would, would want to go with them. You know, mm-hmm. kind of show them around so they don't make the same mistakes that we made trying to figure out how to work our way through Las Vegas while we're there. Gotcha. Um, so, I mean, that's cool. So that, so you'd say $300 for the bare minimum. Yeah. And that's, you know, no splurge money. Yeah. You're, you're eating, we ate pop tarts for breakfast. Mm-hmm. Um, so you'd say for the nice middle ground, probably about seven, 800 bucks, maybe. 
Yeah, like if you're not like egregious with your your spending, um, you could you could easily do it. Okay. Um, I still personally recommend PB and J's or something, you know, for it because it's gonna save you so much money on lunch, and also oh, yeah. like you don't want to eat heavy when you're standing in a big oh, God, no. convention center with 1,100 people yeah. playing. That's so, bad. Just walking around, your stomach's doing the. Yeah, and you just you know, and it was like. So the convention center is in the Rio, and we were still probably close to half a mile away, wow. like a walk from our hotel room. And that's like elevator to the convention center was half mm-hmm. a mile. And we were doing that five, six times a day. Wow. So like we were we were putting the steps in. So like. Got your miles. Got your- yeah. If you're going to be walking like that, you definitely don't want to be weighted down by a lot of heavy Some food. greasy burgers and, yeah. and street fries. But. I think that, that like that's pretty much it. Like, and if you want to go out, there's there's ample opportunity to go out. I'm not a big go out guy, so I mostly just hung out in the Rio. We went and walked the Strip mm-hmm. for a little while one night. Um, things to be aware of, like, so next year we want to go to Caesar's Palace. Um, it's like I didn't, you know, buffets to me are like twenty bu- twenty bucks. Yeah, get what you want. If and steak. Um. Non steak and lobster night at uh, was like fifty four ninety nine. Wow! I think like Saturday was like seventy nine ninety nine. Damn! So just be prepared. Like those are the kinds of prices. Drinks if you want to add a drink to your meal, it's not three bucks. Yeah, it's eight dollars. <laughs> so like we drink a lot of water. Yeah. Um, Water's free, right, guys? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, if you charge for ice, take it out. Like just. Yeah. Uh, I'll, drink, um, I'll take my water warm. Thank you. Yeah. So, um, like I said, it was a great time. I had a good time being there with my brother and my friends. I would go again, just more prepared. I'll be more prepared this time than I was last. Yeah. Cause you only, you had what a week to prepare to go mm, to this five days, five days. <laughs> yeah. There you go. You got the work week to prepare. I got called at midnight on Wednesday that there was an opportunity for me to go. I locked in my plane ticket Friday, and we left Wednesday morning. Let's go. So, um, like I said, I was just in a in a particular place where I was able to do that, and I was very fortunate. Um, but it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And if it is something you're considering, start saving now. Start saving now. Um, if you don't want to play in the 40K Champs Big Tournament, there are tons of RTTs that go on on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So you could just really enjoy Vegas and then Sunday play. Um, different things you can do like that. Um, different, like Sergio Calvo did a big painting, um, like tutorial master class and stuff like that. I know Vanguard Tactics; they do their whole, uh, yep, they class do like that a, they do though. They do that Thursday night before. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely stuff to do that isn't just the 40k tournament at the convention center. It's not, you know what I mean? Like you yeah, don't have to. It's just, not just solely centered around 40k. It's there's all different types of things going on. All right. Um, but I think that's pretty much it for us here today. Um, yeah. No, that sounds good. Um, so, zero to 10, how would you rate your experience? Uh, matches included, everything like that. I'd probably give everything a seven. Nice seven out of 10. Yeah. That's fair. Something I would do again. And I think that the experience will go up as you think back on it. Not even as I go um, next year, knowing what to expect. That's fair. And being more prepared. That's mm-hmm. that's the big thing, just being more prepared. Yeah. So look forward to next year talking about this as we both get to go to LVO and we both get to play. Yeah, absolutely. And um, 
I think that's it for our LVL episode. Yeah. Um, so. Make sure if you guys would take the opportunity to give us a five-star review on wherever you get your podcasts and start looking. We're going to start trying to post these on YouTube as just audio videos um, for the time being, if that's how you receive your podcast as well. And make sure to like and subscribe there. I think that that's... Uh, besides that, everybody have a wonderful, wonderful day. Yeah. And as always, make sure to be you and be kind. We'll see you guys later. See you later.